podcast, where I ask your potential therapist questions so you don't have to. I am your host, Noah S. Garcia, Licensed Professional Counselor Supervisor. Today, I welcome to the show Jennifer Dunham, Licensed Professional Counselor Supervisor and Certified Hypnotherapist, who will be discussing her practice in an area of specialty, hypnotherapy. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, I'm excited to learn more about hypnotherapy today. Um, So tell us, what are your credentials and experience? So as you said, I'm a licensed professional counselor supervisor. I'm also a certified hypnotherapist. I am a critical incident responder. So I respond to things like uh, responded to the Las Vegas shooting, um, the El Paso shooting, uh, respond to murder, homicide, suicide, natural disaster, those types of things. Uh, and I also love doing executive coaching and consulting, and I do corporate training. So I have a wide balance in my practice. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so regarding hypnotherapy, um, is that something one can accept insurance for or submit uh, for reimbursement uh, to insurance, or, or how does that work? And, and also, as a, a general broader question, um, do you accept insurance at your practice period? Um, and if so, which ones? Uh, if not, why not? Yeah, so hypnotherapy is more of a tool in psychotherapy practice. And so I believe that you can submit hypnotherapy as a psychotherapeutic tool to your insurance company. So you would just submit it as a psychotherapy. Uh, So so yes. Now, if you go to your insurance company and you call and you say, do you cover hypnotherapy or do you cover hypnosis? I believe most insurance companies will say no. Um, Okay. So yeah. Okay. And do you accept insurance at your practice? Oh, yes. Sorry. Um, yeah, I am on the panel for Cigna. Cigna. Okay, cool. Um, and do you have a sliding scale? I do not have a sliding scale in my practice, but I do give back to the therapeutic community and in other ways. Okay. Uh, what about weekend or evening appointments? I occasionally have Saturday appointments. I do not have evening appointments, but I have early morning appointments. Like how early? Uh, as early as six. Oh my goodness. That's, That's I early. Could never, I could <laughs> never, I mean, I, I can't even wake up by 6am nevertheless be functioning enough to do therapy with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll wake up for somebody else's six. I won't wake up on my own. <laughs> I can't, my, my first appointment is at 10. I can't function before 10 and even 10 is pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> Same way. He, he <laughs> presents around 11. <laughs> yep. um, 
So is being a therapist your first career? And if not, what was? Well, it really is my first career, but I grew up in the health and fitness business. So I worked in that industry as I, as I worked my way through school. Okay. Can you tell us a little more about that? I'm just curious. Yeah. My father owned um, Jim's health and fitness clubs. And so um, as a matter of fact, I was in the womb and my mom was doing sit-ups And this was probably back in the sixties when you're not supposed to be exercising and pregnant. And so um, the little uh, granny ladies would come over to my mom and say, I don't think you should be doing that when you're pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I was in the gym in the womb and uh, (laughs) subsequently have uh, been been there ever since. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So uh, what, what drew you to being a therapist? I just really have a passion of wanting people to live their best life. And so that has been a driving force for me. Mm -hmm. Was it something that you always knew or you grew to understand? I always knew. And I don't know. I thought about this question and I, I, ever since I was young, I've really wanted to be in this field. And so I'm not sure I'm not sure what ignited that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not even really sure when I knew about psychologists and psychotherapists and counselors, mm-hmm. uh, but, but it's always been something that I've wanted to do. Cool. Yeah. Same here. Well, initially when I was a kid, I wanted to be a surgeon. Um, my, my family is all medical professionals. So um, I started out college pre-med, but then I, quickly realized, um, well, number one, I don't like math a whole lot. And number two, I was just so much more interested in psychology. In fact, I took my first college psychology class when I was 15 years old at the local community college for fun. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) So, you know, it's always, it's been one of those things that um, has always had my interest in some way, shape, or form and just kind of evolved over time. Um, But getting back to you, tell us a little more about yourself. Um, You know, what sorts of hobbies do you have, interests, TV shows, music, pets, et cetera? Okay. Well, being in the health and fitness industry, I'm I'm an exerciser. I love going on walks and hikes and... um, I love spending time with family and friends. My husband and I like to go fishing, saltwater fishing. So we head down to the coast um, a couple times a year. TV, I'm not a big TV person. Uh, If in fact, we're just, it's been a long day and we're just going to do something mindless. I might turn on The Voice or American Idol right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, One TV show that I did get into was um, Ozark. Oh, I've heard good things about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that I found psychologically fascinating. That was that was very very interesting show. So I did get into that for a while, um, but not not a big TV watcher. Um, what else? Music. I'm a country music girl. So huh? I love country music and Texas country. Um, we don't have any pets right now. I have a younger brother. He has two rescue dogs that we babysit from time to time. So that's a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, regarding hypnotherapy, um, could you tell us a little bit about like some of the history or origins behind it? Yeah. So hypnosis was first used to elicit dreams and then they would study people's dreams to determine I guess psychological troubles and try and uncover um, people's people's issues through their dreams it was real interesting Um, and hypnosis comes from the word um, sleep the Greek word sleep And so a lot of people think that in hypnosis or hypnotherapy that you're, you're going to sleep um, and that, and that that's kind of, uh, I guess, a form of, 
of hypnosis is, is being asleep. Um, but the person <laughs> who yeah, discovered it was a, a German guy, and I cannot remember his name, but he was using magnets and hypnosis. And I wish I knew more about the origin, but I tell you the truth, I cannot remember. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's uh, important maybe, I, I don't know, is, is there a difference? And if so, what is the difference between hypnosis and hypnotherapy? There is a difference between hypnosis and hypnotherapy. So anybody can do hypnosis. You can go out, uh, take a weekend course and, and do hypnosis. Uh, hypnotherapy is actually done by somebody who has at least a master's degree in one of the helping professions. So again, hypnosis is not regulated. So a helping professional with a master's degree can go out and also get a weekend certification and, and practice hypnotherapy. So you just really want to make sure as you're investigating hypnosis or hypnotherapy, uh, that you find out about, uh, the experience that that person has in the field. And regarding hypnosis and hypnotherapy in practice, how would they look different? I think they, they can look similar, uh, for habit control issues. You'll see people doing group hypnosis, uh, for smoking cessation or for weight loss. You see that advertised, uh, a lot out there. And if you're looking at hypnotherapy, you're going to be looking more toward psychological issues, uh, in addition to habit control issues. Gotcha. Okay. Makes lots of sense. Um, so how does hypnotherapy work? So it's interesting. Um, hypnosis works by um, kind of moving your conscious mind out of the way, putting your conscious mind in the back seat. It's a natural state of mind in which your subconscious mind is highly suggestible to new ideas. So our subconscious mind is constantly working in the background. It's, it's our, our thinking brain. And our conscious mind is actually the critical part of the mind that takes a look at those thoughts, analyzes those thoughts, and makes decisions and puts things into action. So what we do is we kind of move that conscious mind out of the way so that we can work directly with your subconscious mind. Okay. So... You know, a lot of people ask, is it uh, a placebo effect? Is it merely the suggestibility? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And so we, we work with like the alpha, beta, delta brain waves, and it puts your mind in a state in which you are highly suggestible. So, so if it were a placebo effect, I would think that you have to believe that it's going to work. Right. And yet people will come in to quit smoking, let's say, and they're like, well, I don't know if this is going to work for me <laughs> or mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm hypnotizable or I don't know if, 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 if I can um, be hypnotized. So, so I don't think so. I don't think it's the placebo effect. Okay. So do you think, is there a, like a required level of belief in order for it to work? Like, does one have to believe that it will work in order to be hypnotized? No, I don't believe okay. you do because I do have people that come in that really have, they want to be hypnotized. They want it to work, but they're, they're not sure that it will. And they're not sure if it will for them. Okay. It does. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so my understanding is that there's a variety of different types of hypnotherapy, like cognitive, uh, Ericksonian, hypnopsychotherapy, regression, um, what type of hypnotherapy are you trained in and or do you practice? 
Um, I'm pretty eclectic in my hypnotherapy practice. So I do use uh, kind of cognitive Ericksonian hypnopsychotherapy. Um, and what that looks like is it might look like storytelling. Uh, it might look like uh, walking you through a visualization. It might use a confusing technique uh, to confuse the mind. Uh, might be using metaphors, uh, indirect suggestion. So just a little bit of everything, depending on what we're working on and depending on the person personality type. Uh, some people can't visualize; uh, they can't create that that story in their mind um, in a way that they can see it. So we might use a, a totally different style of of hypnotherapy. Uh, other people might come in for anxiety, and so we're not going to use a relaxation technique if somebody's coming in for anxiety because they can't relax, and then that causes more anxiety. Mm-hmm. So just a little bit of a little bit of everything. You know, I have to ask you. You got to tell me more about this confusing technique. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's um, it's like it's like making a suggestion and then making a contrasting suggestion. So like you're listening to me and yet you're not listening to me. You're hearing every word that I say and yet your subconscious mind is not hearing anything. It's it's like your mind goes, well, am I hearing or am I not hearing? Am I listening or am I not Uh listening? And while we're, while we're wondering if we're listening or we're not listening, your conscious mind kind of goes on this little wild goose chase and starts thinking about that and not thinking about what I'm saying. <laughs> so how, what is the, the desired outcome of like using that technique? Like, what is it like target? Yeah, it really just targets um, moving your conscious mind out of the way. Uh, okay. send- your conscious mind on a, on a journey, if you will, of thinking, what am I doing? Am I listening? Am I not listening? Am I warm or am I cool? Am I heavy or am I light? And as your brain is, your conscious part of your brain is thinking about that, we're really kind of moving it aside and focusing on that subconscious part of your mind. I see. Okay. Okay. So, you know, you were talking earlier about the theta waves and stuff like that. Um, So, I mean, what what you're essentially talking about when you're talking about that is like the induction of a hypnotic trance, right? Yeah. Okay. So can you tell us what a hypnotic trance is? What does it look like? Like how it, you know, how is it measurable? Those sorts of things. People liken the the feeling of a hypnotic trance to right before you fall asleep. Uh, That might be a feeling of uh, relaxation induction, maybe a visualization induction. Um, Other times it's kind of like we go into trance all the time. Hypnotic trance is just a trance that's induced. So trance is like driving from one place to another, getting there and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm already here. Who drove? And you drove. (laughs) Uh, A trance might be getting engrossed into a a book or a movie. And so you walk into the movie theater, you're thinking about the 20,000 things that you have on your to-do list. You might be thinking about your family, your friends, what you're going to make for dinner that night. And then the movie starts and all of a sudden you're engrossed in this, in this land of fantasy and it might elicit, you know, feelings of fear if it's a horror movie or it might elicit sadness or, or you might get teary or you might laugh hysterically. And while you know that that, that imaginary world is not real, it's as if it's real and it's eliciting all of these emotions. And so again, we go into trance all the time um, in different ways. Just not too long ago, um, 
I was talking to um, a lady about a cute shirt that she had on. I guess this was a, a while back because it's been a year since we've seen people in person, right? So <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. But let me go back. It's been a while, but I was talking to a gal about a cute shirt she had on and she was um, jotting something down that we were talking about. And um, she was telling me that she got her shirt at Target and she started writing Target. That's funny. <laughs> she was writing Target. What, what are we doing? <laughs> so, um, so we're highly suggestible. We are highly suggestible people in general. And so you might find, you know, when, when you're writing something down or, or typing something and somebody interrupts you and starts talking about something that it just, it's, it's distracting and, and, and we might find ourselves, you know, losing focus. So the way you described the uh, hypnotic trance sounds similar to dissociation in, in some ways. Um, so that, that causes me to wonder is, is hypnotherapy like okay for somebody who struggles with dissociation to do? Yeah, that would probably not be your best candidate. Um, somebody with borderline personality is probably not your best candidate uh, for hypnotherapy. Somebody with severe psychosis, probably not a good idea. Yeah, great question. Okay. Um, I was just uh, interested in that. So, you know, along with a hypnotic trance, you know, we just talked about that and how people are highly suggestible. What is hypnotic suggestion? So hypnotic suggestion is the things that will be most helpful in allowing you to achieve your goal. So let's just use habit control, for example. And if somebody wants to quit smoking and they tell me they're really stubborn and rebellious, uh, then I might not use the suggestion that every time you think about a cigarette, you're going to get nauseous because that person might be, I'll be damned if you're going to tell me I'm going to get nauseous when I think about a cigarette. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so a hypnotic suggestion might be how great you're going to feel as a non-smoker. And again, we're kind of aligning with that part of their mind that wants to be a non-smoker. So with smoking, I kind of use the analogy that there's two parts of your mind. One part that says, gosh, you really got to quit smoking. And the other part of your mind that says, yeah, 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 later, you know, mm -hmm. next week, next month. And so we start aligning with that part of your mind that wants to be done. And as we do, we develop some suggestions that are going to be most helpful in aligning with that part of your mind. Mm -hmm. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. How does it feel to be hypnotized? For the most part, it's a really relaxing experience. Uh, you can be fully aware of every single thing that I say. It's kind of like sitting in the classroom back when you were in school and you're listening to the professor and your stomach is growling and you start thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. Um, and then you missed half of what the professor said, and yet you made an A plus in the class. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's a part of your mind that's always listening, whether you're consciously paying attention or not. And so Many times we'll, we'll find that people will report that they may have drifted or dozed. Um, and yet I normally bring people out of trance at the count of three. And when people are actually asleep and someone counts to three, they don't wake up. And so again, there's a part of your mind that's always listening, whether you're consciously choosing to pay attention to every word or you kind of get lost in, in the story, you get lost in the movie. I know a lot of concern that people have is like, will I lose control? Yeah, I think a lot of times when people think about hypnosis, they think about the clock, you know, the, the, the mm -hmm. clock kind of swinging in front of you. Yeah. Or they think about office space where the guy gets stuck in a trance. And, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, you, you cannot get stuck in a trance. You do not lose control. You will not, your mind will not let somebody suggest something to you that is uh, counter to what you want or what you believe. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. A long time ago, I had a client come in and he said he had gone to see, he said he had gone to see a hypnotherapist and that he had gone to quit using tobacco. And in the midst of trance, the hypnotherapist started talking about religious beliefs and immediately he came out of trance immediately. It was like his brain said, this is, this is counterintuitive to what we're, we're talking about here. Interesting. It was, it was very interesting and really validating for me to mm-hmm. think that, you know, if, if in fact there was something that was slipped in there, could somebody slip something in there that, that was just inappropriate in my opinion. And sure enough, he said that was, he, he said it was like 10 years ago and he never went back obviously, because that was just something that, you know, frightened him, but, yeah. but no, you don't lose control and you can be aware and you can pay attention. People can go into trance with their eyes open with their eyes closed. Like I said, it's like driving from one place to another, getting there and thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm already here. Or driving and passing a billboard and thinking, Oh, has that billboard always been there? Has that mm-hmm. Always been there, and it has. Or people walk into your office and they might say, Oh, is that a new painting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's been here for the past 27 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what is a person's level of awareness like when hypnotized? It, it can be different degrees of awareness. So, you can be in a really light stage of hypnosis of trance. Uh, you can be in a really deep stage of hypnosis or trance. Uh, I find in the very beginning, uh, for people who haven't experienced hypnotherapy, we stay in a lighter state so that can be aware of what's happening. And then each time people go into trance, they allow themselves to go even deeper Uh, it's almost like the conscious part of your brain says, Oh, I know what we're doing here. This is familiar. I don't have to pay attention. I don't have to, I don't have to be on high alert, wondering what's happening, what she doing, what she's saying, because I already know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So each time somebody goes into trance, they, they allow themselves to go deeper because it's familiar. It's comfortable. It's safe. Um, I do not do hypnosis on, on a first session with anyone. I think back when I first started, people would be like, I want to be hypnotized right now. I'm (laughs) ready to quit smoking. I'm ready to lose weight. I'm ready to be done with this anxiety, done with this depression. Um, so I want to be hypnotized today. And so I don't do that. I know there are a lot of people who do. Uh, the initial session for me, uh, with, with any issue that we're going to use hypnotherapy or hypnosis or induced trance, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that issue, about how you experience that issue, um, some triggers in history. And then we'll talk a little bit about how we want to work with that issue, uh, in trance. That kind of develops you know, a, a little bit of a comfort with regard to sure. that. Yeah, I would say that, that that having some sort of rapport is necessary because, you know, I think that hypnosis could be somewhat vulnerable, especially if you're sitting in someone's office closing your eyes, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's probably much appreciated and much more effective that way. Um, is self-hypnosis possible? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's really about just guiding yourself into that state uh, where your conscious mind takes the back seat. And a lot of people do that through relaxation. And it's not necessarily a form of meditation because in, in trance, your mind can be as busy or as quiet as it wants to be. 
And so with self-hypnosis, we really want to get to that quieter state of your conscious mind so that you can focus on whatever the goal is for the subconscious mm-hmm. mind. Gotcha. Yeah. Are there any like reputable resources that you would recommend online if somebody wanted to do some self-hypnosis? Gosh, no, I don't know of any sources, but I'm sure there are a million in this day and age. I'm sure you could go <laughs> on YouTube and just, yeah, find all kinds of, of things. And what would be, I would just recommend for somebody um, who's looking to do that to go on and just consciously with your conscious mind aware kind of listen a little bit to the process so that you can see if that process fits for you. Gotcha. Okay. So what sorts of things can hypnotherapy help with? Oh my gosh, all kinds of things, all kinds of things. I've done hypnotherapy for habit control issues, such as smoking cessation, weight management, weight loss, um, nail biting, Uh, I had a client of mine who would pull her eyebrow hair out and um, stuff like that, all the way to clinical issues, Uh, anxiety, panic attacks, depression can help with motivation, procrastination. I had a client of mine who had to make uh, telemarketing, cold calling type stuff. It's awful. <laughs> it is for her job. And she's like, Jennifer, I think I've become phobic of the phone. <laughs> she's like, I do everything I can in my day to avoid the cold calling. And she goes, but I've got to get it done. I've got to do it. And um, so we just got to think about the power of your mind is amazing. And we just really want to channel it in the right direction. And sometimes consciously, we have a hard time doing that. Um, so hypnosis can help with all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are there any uh, populations um, you like specialize within working when it comes to hypnotherapy or, or I guess like what does your ideal client look like in that respect? Yeah, my ideal clients are adults, mm-hmm. 18 and over. I did, I worked with a, a client of mine's daughter who was afraid to go to the dentist. And she was, she was really young, um, maybe 10 ish. And I did work with her, but for the most part, I I work with adults and not children. Uh, That brings about a good question is, is hypnotherapy just as effective with uh, like children and adolescents as adults? Yeah, I find it really is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, you just want somebody who's skilled with working with that particular population. Um, so, so absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what about, oh, sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, I was going to say the other thing that comes to mind when you were talking about adolescence is sport, sports performance. Mm-hmm. I have worked with some teenagers who have been wanting to go pro with some of their sports and being looked at by colleges. And uh, we used hypnotherapy for sports performance. Um, so cool. I worked with adolescents on that. But yes, yes, in answer to your question. And your ideal client, what does that look like? My ideal client is somebody who wants to um, create change uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to better themselves and better their lives. And like regarding certain uh, issues, I don't know. I mean, we know with therapy, right, that we can't say, oh, you know, you'll you'll start feeling better in six sessions, right? That's that's ludicrous. Um, But I was wondering if for hypnotherapy, if there is like a a general number of sessions that it takes to see some benefit from it for like smoking cessation or anxiety, just kind of uh, trying to give people like a, a number of like what, what that looks like, if that's something you can put a number on. Yes. Okay. So first of all, you will be noticing immediate change after your initial session with hypnotherapy. 
immediate change. Now, depending on the issue, uh, with habit control issues, I usually say about three sessions. The first session, we talk a little bit about the issue, unpack the issue, and that will be the information that I use to develop your trance. The second session is where we implement trance. And um, I tell people the second session with smoking, they will leave my office and they'll be a non-smoker. The third session is a follow-up session. Trance plays out differently for different people. So Mm -hmm. really in that third session, we really want to just reinforce what's already playing out for you. I kind of liken it to giving a boulder moving. We just, we want to give it a couple of shoves and then the momentum just kind of carries itself. Okay. With something like anxiety, we might, we'll notice immediate change after that initial session in trance. And then we might want to do a few follow-up sessions in trance Mm -hmm. to continue kind of moving that boulder in the right direction. Okay. What about with like uh, anxiety? Yeah. So anxiety, again, we'll notice immediate changes after that first session in trance. And then I have people who do numerous things. We might, we might do a couple of follow-up sessions and then we might check in in a month and we might do, I, some of my uh, clients call it a booster trance. Uh, We might have a little booster um, I have a client of mine who, for example, with uh, weight management, she had lost uh, 35 pounds and she has her in-laws come visit around the holidays for a month. And so she'll call me once a year and <laughs> she'll be like, Jennifer, my in-laws are coming. I want to do a booster trance. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Different people, different things, but I say a minimum of three sessions and, you know, there is no maximum. Some people will say, oh, this is working great on my anxiety. Now I want to work on X or mm-hmm. I'm really noticing a difference in my stress level. So I want to continue mm-hmm. different people, different things. Other people will be like, oh my gosh, this has worked great. I don't need you anymore. Bye. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Going back to habit control, and I know you and I had talked a little bit about this before we started recording, um, is hypnosis helpful for something like addiction? Yes, it can be very helpful with addiction. And as I mentioned to you, I have worked with um, some people who had severe addiction to uh, cocaine, to methamphetamine. Um, and that, that was a very helpful tool along mm-hmm. with therapy. Right. Um, I've worked with uh, social drinkers and people who wanted to manage their alcohol differently. And we've used hypnotherapy to do that. Um, so, yes, I think it's, it's, it's an, a wonderful adjunct and a wonderful tool in addition to, to other kinds of therapy uh, for addiction. What are your thoughts on regression? Oh, yeah. A past life regression. I have never done that. That's not. Well, I mean, there's also like um, age regression. Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, I I do that a little bit with certain uh, emotional eating issues. I'll do a little bit of a regression therapy to see, to help us kind of uncover if there's something that we can't quite figure out that's causing um, lack of impulse control with Mm -hmm. regard to to habit control issues. Uh, But there's a lot of therapeutic uh, value in going back and taking a look at an emotion that we feel and kind of rewinding the tape on our life to see where, where we first discovered that emotion and what was at play when that was happening. So therapeutically, that can be an amazing uh, tool to mm-hmm. use uh, with hypnosis. Well, I know that uh, past life regression was discovered by uh, a well-known psychiatrist, um, through age regression. Um, 
which is really interesting. It is interesting. So age regression, and then all of a sudden somebody's in a past life. Yeah, I've had several of my clients go through that I, with, with somebody else and, and talked about that. And it's, it's really fascinating. What yeah. are your thoughts on it? Just out of curiosity, as a hypnotherapist. That's a really good question. I think it can be a valuable tool for people who believe in past lives to go back and take a look at um, what they were like in those past lives. I have a massage therapist who, who has done a lot of work in that area for herself. And just the story she has about the different parts of her personality and the different people that she's been in her past lives has really uncovered a lot for her psychologically and therapeutically made her um, a better person. And, and, and really she believes that it's made her um, live a better life mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. this present life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's a very interesting thing. And I think it, you know, regardless of what you believe in, it certainly has been shown to be, you know, beneficial in a lot of ways psychologically for people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, you know, regarding, you know, because I, you know, just thinking about hypnosis, right? You know, we talked earlier about one not necessarily needing to believe in it in order for it to like work. Um, Working with that assumption, it would be the same as for like past life regression, right? Which to me is really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so it may be, so like, are you saying that it was discovered from age regression that there's past lives. And so maybe prior to the age regression, that person didn't even realize that they had a past life. And right, right. Back there. <laughs> or, I mean, you know, I, I, I guess I don't know why somebody would do this, or maybe I do. I don't know. You know, somebody who, say, does not believe in past lives, deciding to do a past life regression and, you know, being able to recall past lives without even having the belief in it, I guess is what I was saying. Yes, that's a very good point. Yes. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, our mind is fascinating. It's just, it's amazing, the power of our mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are, what are some factors that determine whether somebody is like able to be put under hypnosis? Yeah, there's different schools of thought about that. I'm a firm believer that we all have a subconscious mind, so we are all hypnotizable. Some people much more hypnotizable than others. I think the willingness mm-hmm. to be hypnotized, uh, whether you think you can be or not, is irrelevant. But like, for example, if you uh, come in, I, I did have a gentleman come in with his wife, and she desperately wanted him to quit smoking. And he did not want to quit smoking. It's not going to work. <laughs> hey, well, if you don't want to quit smoking, I, like most people are in conflict about that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but he's like, I don't want to quit. I'm like, you're wasting your time and, and my time because it's, this is not going to work if you don't want it to work. <laughs> right, right. So I believe that we are all hypnotizable because we all have a subconscious mind. And so some people are more highly hypnotizable than others. And there has to be a willingness to be hypnotized. Is the willingness what determines whether somebody is more or less hypnotizable? There's a part of me that wants to say yes. But then again, if we think about comedy club hypnosis and people quacking like a duck and barking like a dog, I guess um, I guess there has to be a willingness there. So yeah, I would. I would say yes. Okay. Very interesting. Um, 
earlier we talked about dissociation and perhaps, you know, um, folks who struggle with dissociation maybe not being the best candidates for hypnotherapy, are there certain concerns or issues in which hypnotherapy would be contraindicated? I can't think of a particular issue that would make it contraindicated, but as we mentioned, probably more so a severe psychosis, borderline personality, disassociative disorders um, are the things that I can think of kind of off the top of my head. What about uh, medical issues that might preclude somebody from participating? Hmm. Can you think of a medical issue that that comes to mind? I don't know. Like things with like seizures can be triggered by weird stuff, for example. Um, sure. Um, yeah, I really can't. I really can't think of anything. Okay. I mean, well, that's good. Yeah. It's, it's highly possible that, and, and nothing's coming to mind that, um, Okay. What would you say are some of the like biggest misconceptions about hypnotherapy that you run into? So early on, again, I started doing this 20 some odd years ago. So early on, I would say people felt like maybe it had some kind of uh, negative influence or uh, maybe it was associated with um, witchcraft or mm-hmm. that, um, or like somebody implanting ideas into your head, like that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that people could take control over your mind and get you to do something that you would never think about doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to the idea that you would be completely unconscious and that you would have no idea what happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, In addition to that, the idea, like we said about office space, that um, you're going to get stuck in a trance and you can't get out. Uh, None of that is true. Uh, Again, if anything is suggested that is counterintuitive or does not fit with what you're working on immediately, that critical part of your conscious mind will immediately become aware and be like, wait a minute, what's going on here? So, um, some other misconceptions. Yeah, that, 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 um, that it's something hokey or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not, not proven and more and more probably within the past, probably seven to 10 years, I'm finding that more and more doctors are recommending uh, hypnotherapy. I'm getting a lot of referrals for people who are struggling with, with stress, with anxiety, with panic, um, in addition to, to weight and smoking um, mm-hmm. are probably a lot of the things that, that doctors are referring for. And I think it's important to note also that hypnosis is, you know, and hypnotherapy are, are like, science-based and hypnotic trances can be measured in our brain. Um, So I guess, you know, just kind of uh, appealing to more of the question of, is it science or is it superstition, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there you, you can, there's, um, there's a great site out there called how stuff works and it talks about how anything works, (laughs) how machines work, how our brains work, how hypnotherapy works. And uh, they do talk about a lot of different studies that have been done on EEGs on our brain during hypnosis. And they do, they can measure all the different parts of our brain waves and then different parts of our brain, the left hemisphere, the right hemisphere. Um, It's very interesting for those of you who are uh, interested in science and how stuff works. Yeah, that's cool. And thanks for mentioning it. I I love the, the TV show, How It Works. It's just fascinating. Like they'll show like, um, you know, like a documentary of like how M&Ms are made in the factory. And it's just, it's just mesmerizing. I, I love that, that show. Um, so switching gears to you as a therapist, um, 
what kind of experience do you have working with particularly vulnerable clients, such as those who are transgender, undocumented, or BIPOC, to name a few examples? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, <laughs> 27 years, I've come across um, all of those um, populations. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. Um, what could a new client expect from an initial session with you? And, and what about on an ongoing basis? So I started my career in a tiny behavioral health company, and we had the luxury of being trained by some of the best uh, brief solution-focused therapists, uh, Michelle Weiner-Davis, Barry Duncan, Scott Miller. Uh, so I am a brief solution focused therapist and I use cognitive behavioral therapy, NLP, also hypnotherapy. So for me, uh, we start our session with uh, beginning with the end in mind. And so I ask people, you know, what's, what's your goal? What are you hoping to accomplish through our time together? And so that's where we start. And then we get a little history as it relates to that goal um, and then talk about how we're going to achieve that goal. Ongoing, okay. uh, we may, you know, if, if people are coming in for specifically hypnotherapy, then ongoing, we'll, we'll make a plan of how long we think our, our goal is going to take and um, certain things just require a certain amount of sessions, like a habit control issue usually is around three sessions as uh, something more clinical anxiety, panic, depression um, might be a little bit more lengthy with regard to hypnosis and hypnotherapy. And um, for regular therapy, uh, what it would look like ongoing is to continue to uh, revisit that goal and make sure we're on track with that goal. And, um, that goal might branch out into other things that we want to accomplish. Okay. How would you say your clients describe or experience you? Um, I would say that they experience me as hmm, compassionate, empathetic, um, maybe challenging at times. <laughs> I always say I'm not the easy counselor. If you want the easy counselor, you might have to go somewhere else. <laughs> Same. My clients both love and hate me for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, are you a therapist who will laugh or cry with your clients? I will definitely laugh with my clients. I, I try not to be the therapist who, who cries with my clients, mainly because I I don't want them to feel like they need to uh, console you. Carry my, yeah, carry my emotions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've had so many different answers to that question. Um, how do you define holding space for someone? Just providing um, an unconditional, non judgmental place for somebody to be their true self. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. And uh, I know you're an LPC supervisor, which are you uh, supervising associates right now? Right now I'm not. I just graduated my last intern right before the pandemic. As a matter of fact, as right as it was starting. So wow. he, he just finished all his hours and was on his way. So yeah, yeah, we've checked in a couple of times since then and just with all the, the new stuff that's happening. Yeah. Are you currently taking on new associates? Yeah. Okay. I just want to put that out there for anybody who may be curious. Um, so what is the best advice you've ever received from a supervisor of yours? So back when I was in school, I had this lovely professor and um, I was really worried about ruining somebody's life. <laughs> you know, people are coming to you and I'm like, oh no, am I going to do this right? Am I going to miss something? And one thing she said to me is, Jennifer, the great thing about therapy is if you miss something, they're going to serve it up to you again. And if you don't get it right, they're going to tell you. Mm -hmm. And I have found that to be true time and time again. 
that was, that was the best advice I've ever received. Totally, totally agree with that. What would you say you've personally learned about yourself and or the world through your practice? You know, I, I've learned that people just at the core level, people just want to be heard and understood. Mm-hmm. And accepted, of course. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. What do you do to take care of yourself after a long, hard day at the office or in front of the computer at home? <laughs> All right. Uh, well I I try and plan little getaways to the beach which is where I am right now (laughs) jealous it is so lovely just to just to even have a change of scenery you know Mm -hmm. it's such a blessing but on a day-to-day basis I really enjoy spending time with family and friends I have a couple of therapist friends that uh, we've been getting together on zoom, but normally we would get together in person. And um, I usually try and take a walk at least every day, even if it's a 20 minute walk after a long client day uh, to, to just, you know, recenter. Good deal. How would you define happiness? Oh, happiness is when my values and my behaviors are in alignment. Good one. Next couple of questions are a little vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is, what is the most embarrassing moment you have had as a clinician? So the most embarrassing moment... I thought about whether or not I want to share this, but I'm going to. <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh, God. So really the most embarrassing moment was I was in a talk therapy session with one of my clients and I had eaten something that did not agree with my stomach. And I had to pause her in mid-sentence and excuse myself to run to the restroom. And I was horrified. I was like, Oh my gosh, because you know, there are times when you, you drink too much water, coffee, tea, and you're about to turn yellow. Um, and you can get through that, but this was not something I could get through. So that was probably my most embarrassing moment. And she was very gracious. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm always worried about that one. Cause you know, sometimes you just never know when it's going to strike. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you, Mark. <laughs> oh, you have to go too okay well thank you for sharing that with us um next vulnerable question is are you in therapy or have you ever been in therapy yes and yes Uh, i i am a firm believer that with the right fit uh everyone and anyone can benefit from therapy Mm -hmm. well jennifer is there anything else that you think would be good for a potential client or other therapists to know about you and your practice? And the last thing I'd love to share with you is just a saying that kind of I identify with and that kind of gives a little bit of a framework for my practice. And it's that saying, which I'm sure you've heard, is watch your thoughts because they become words watch your words because they become actions, watch your actions because they become habits, watch your habits because they become your character, watch your character for it becomes your destiny. It's a very, very good one. Um, And, you know, Jennifer, I forgot to ask, what is the name of your practice? Oh, it's called Success Strategies Unlimited. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Jen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Next Quest Podcast. I learned something new today, and I hope you did too.
Stay tuned for next week's episode featuring Christy Powell, licensed professional counselor, who will be discussing his practice in an area of specialty, religious trauma syndrome, and gender and sexuality concerns. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider making a donation to the podcast via Venmo to the username at NQCATX. See you next week. Next Quest Podcast is sponsored by Jan Dimmit Resources. Save yourself the time and stress of credentialing and let the experts at Jan Dimmit Resources do what they do best. For over 20 years, Jan Dimmit Resources has provided administrative support and credentialing services to mental health professionals in Texas and beyond. Visit their website at jandimmit.com. That is J-A-N-D-I-M-M-I-T-T.com or call 512-731-5725 for more information on all the ways they can make running your practice easier for you. NextQuest Podcasts relies solely on donations to keep this project going. Please consider becoming a patron on my Patreon page at www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Podcast, or you can make a one-time donation on my website at www.nextquestcounseling.com slash aboutnextquestpodcast. You can also support the podcast by liking our Facebook page. Until next question, this is Noah Garcia signing off.